Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Hello and welcome to the Keeper Cup Podcast. This is Chad Young. I'm here with Pete Ball. We are, as a reminder, a proud member of the PitcherList Podcast Network. You can find us everywhere you listen to podcasts. You can leave us ratings and reviews at all those places as well, which we greatly appreciate. You can also find us on Twitter at Chad Young for me, at Pete B Baseball for Pete, at Keep or Cut. That's cut with a K for the show. And we are, what are we, two weeks left? We're about to start. Well, I guess by the time it's Sunday when we're recording this, uh, very early Sunday morning for me. <laughs> early Sunday morning for Pete, but very early for me. But uh, it'll be Wednesday by the time you hear it. So you'll be down to like a week and a half left by the time you're listening to this in the season. Things are things are, are both winding down and getting exciting at the same time. <laughs> yeah, they are. It's like, you know, it feels like watching the playoffs right now, which I mean, it is right. It's fantasy playoffs. But, you know, in the MLB playoffs, you're literally hanging on every pitch. When your fantasy starter is out there right now, man, it is it is heart pumping stuff. We are barreling towards the end here. Yeah. Do you have any exciting finishes coming up? Any anything you're you're like you're hanging on for your teams? Yeah. Um, I mean, quite a few. This year's been pretty good for me. Um, it's not always the case. I'm going to be heading to the championship, probably uh, barring like the craziest day ever um, in my home league. I'm second right now in my TGFBI league. I'm point uh, five points back. Um, in League 13, man, I've just made terrible decisions. I sat Chris Sale and I sat Lucas Giolito this week and I, I was already facing a team that like I would have had no business beating but I, I I think that's like I have three guys going today like if I put up 250 points maybe maybe something happens but um that one that one got away from me and uh yeah no I'm, I'm in contention in a lot of leagues but <laughs> the two leagues we're going to talk about today actually I am not in contention at all so <laughs> <laughs> yeah the uh, that League Thirteen, which is the the Fangraph staff league that Otto knew that you and I both are in, we are both in the semifinals in that one. And there was a point earlier this week where I was talking to to Niv Shah, who's my my co manager for that team, about how like we were just done. We were down like two hundred points or something like that, and in had like one less start remaining than our opponent. And then we've had a couple of good days. And on as of yesterday, we were back like 90-ish points with three starters more than the opponent had left. And now going into today, so going into Sunday, even though it's not today for anyone listening, but for us, it's today. We have a 104.47 point deficit, and we still have those three starters. And so we today have to start three of Ryu against Boston, Pavetta at Toronto, Woodruff against the Nats is the obvious one. And then Gavin Williams versus Texas. And so we got to make a decision there. But if those, if we can get three starters to all have good days and our offense can like 
barely outpace our opponent, we could come back and win this thing. So it's uh I'm gonna be watching that really closely. It's uh it's gonna be an interesting one for sure. I'm really unsure what to do with those pitchers. I I like Gavin Williams is I think the most talented of Ryu and Pavetta and Williams, but he hasn't been very good lately, and I kind of wonder if he's running into a rookie wall. Pavetta's been great lately, but has the worst matchup at Toronto. Ryu's been pretty good. Boston is sort of an up-and-down lineup. I, it's like, I, I'm not really sure what to do there. It would it would really help me out if you could talk your Red Sox into using an opener today. <laughs> if they used an opener in front of Pavetta, and I could put Pavetta in as a reliever, I probably go from like, we have a good shot at this, but it's going to be hard to, we become the favorites. So if you could work on that. I will, uh, I'll get Cora on the phone right now. Um, I don't think that would happen. Pavetta threw a little bit of a stink way earlier in the year that he wasn't a starter. And it's like, well, dude, you're not that good. I see that you have Williams on the bench right now. And honestly, I think I would probably do the same thing. I agree. I think most talented of those three, Clearly, like obviously, but yeah, for today, I I think you currently have the right three guys in, which probably yeah, means just you look- should change it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking back at, at Williams' last few starts, and yeah, he had a uh, like he absolutely shut down Toronto in August, August seventh, and for an auto new perspective, it was a 67.7 inning performance, and since then he has like a decent outing against Tampa, 28 points over five, and then. A little bit of a rough outing against Detroit, just 11 points over five innings. A rough outing against the Dodgers, which it's the Dodgers. Uh, three points over four and a third. Then he only went one inning and it started against Minnesota. There were some injury concerns, but he was fine. But that was uh, just one point in one inning. Then he had a good start against Minnesota, 30 points over five innings, and then sort of a rough start at San Francisco. So I, I don't know. I go back and forth and it's like, he has, in that stretch of, what did I count through? Seven starts there, starting with that incredible start against Toronto. He's got one brilliant start, two decent starts, and four really not good ones. So, I I, I don't know. It's a really tough call. I, I think, I don't know. Niv and I will probably talk through this two more times before those games get started in about four hours, and we'll we'll see. So... Kind of reminds me of what what Andrew Abbott's going through yeah. right now. Like I think Gavin Williams is just sort of past that previous innings mm. high. You know, like he he Andrew Abbott's blown past it. Gavin Williams passed it a, a little while ago, and I, I think these guys yeah. are just a little cooked. And Pavetta is capable of like on any random day, like striking out eleven yeah. and looking amazing. So I don't know, man. You you could be in that championship. That's the thing we'll is, is is that and that's the thing that's killing me with Pavetta is he is. Like I said, it's the worst matchup. I think he's probably the worst pitcher of those three, but he's the worst because he's so uneven. And when he's on, like Pavetta could, against the Jays, give up three home runs in the first inning and be toast. He also could go eight innings striking out 12. (laughs) Like neither of those would be that surprising. So it's just sort of a mess. My my other, I've got a couple other semifinal matchups going on right now. Actually, one of them is not a semifinal; it's a, I think a quarterfinal in in Listener League Two. But I think I'm done in that one. I, I Abbott, you mentioned Abbott, and he's on that team for me. And I have just been. We're going to talk about keepers later this episode, and when we talk about keepers, his name will come up because I've been 
holding on to him because I think he has keeper value and watching him just tank my team week after week in that league. And it's been, it's been killing me. And now it's going on long enough that I'm like, Oh, maybe he's not a keeper. Uh, so we'll have to, we'll, we'll talk about that a bit later. That matchup. I'm, I'm down six to four, which sounds really close, except if I pick up four, I have to pick up four runs to pass the other team in runs. That's the only offensive category I could I could flip. And the only way I can really win another pitching category would be to get... I, I can't. I can't win any pitching categories that I'm not already leading. So I could lose ground in pitching. And I can lose ground in a couple hitting stats. Like there's just there, there's not a path for me to get past five five, and I think I lose the tiebreaker if it gets to five five. And it's like unlikely I'm going to get there anyways because even if I catch him in runs, I'm pretty sure I'm only up by I'm up by four strikeouts. He's got Woodruff today, and I don't think I have a pitcher starting pitcher going. So like maybe my bullpen carries me and keeps me ahead, in, but it's 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 just it's just not going to happen. Meanwhile, I'm in, in my CBS league. This is really this is like one of those weird fluky things where like I'm down six to four in that keeper league and don't really have a shot. I'm down 12-0 in my CBS league. And I kind of could pull this off. That one I have the tiebreaker, so I just need to get back to six six. I am down by one home run, three RBIs, seven points of OBP, one extra base hit. So it's doubles and triples. I'm down by seven strikeouts and I'm down by one quality start at six categories. And I have one more starting pitcher going than my opponent does. So if my one extra pitcher, I think I'd stop playing forever. I would have to, if I went into Sunday up 12, nothing and lost, I, it, I'd have it's, to quit. You know, the, the, like I said, it's crazy, but like it's 12, nothing. But like, if you went into Sunday up by one home run and lost home runs, if you went into Sunday up by three RBIs and lost RBIs, like, None of those individual numbers do you look at and think like, yeah, that's locked, right? And so it just for sure, yeah. Th- this league is is this is this is gonna be a painful loss if it happens because I have, um, I don't think I finished outside of first place in this league since before COVID, and I don't think I've like I haven't lost a playoff matchup in years. I like it'll be this is this will be the end of a, a run and. I'm also like, it's also one of those things that like a one week playoff matchup is, is so there's so much noise in it that it's sort of mm-hmm. shocking to me that I've managed to consistently win those. So we'll see. Everything sort of went wrong for me in this, this one. Like I went into this, I, 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 you know, I like to build bullpens late in the season and I made a trade for one reliever. I made a trade for two relievers down the stretch who, who have started to win saves for me. And they were Adbert Alzale and Kenley Jansen, who pitched a combined. Like they both went on the IL, but not only did they both go on the IL, they went on the IL after Monday Fab, like after Sunday night Fab, which meant that I went into the week having oh. done my Fab, thinking I've got these two good closers. Um, I also added Adam Adovino. So I had Adovino. Alzale and Jansen. My opponent has Araldus Chapman, Ryan Presley, and Tanner Scott. And I was like, I can, I'm going to win saves. He's up two to one in saves. So that's another category, by the way. I theoretically, I have Adovino. He could get a save. If he gets the only save today, I could come back and get 
half a point out of that. He's been hot. So like, but it's like if if Alzale and Jansen are healthy, I win saves easily, right? And so like that was super frustrating. Then Cassis got hurt. Yelich missed some time. Like it's just been, it's just been like a brutal week. And then on top of that, my pitching matchups have been terrible. It's like my good pitchers in that league were Zach Wheeler, who had the Atlanta, George Kirby, who had the Dodgers. Um, it's been, it's been ugly. And so I am, I am, I have made some desperate moves to try to get as many innings as possible to try to just volume my way to some pitching stuff and hope that my offense can outperform him. And it's all coming down to just a wild day today. We'll see if it, we'll see if my team can keep it together. I don't know. A, a, a September Sunday in fantasy baseball. It's always going to be like, yeah, this. always, always, always. Yep. So that, uh, all that, that update on sort of where we are in some of these leagues is not what we're here to talk about. What we are going to talk about is keepers a little bit, right? So we're, we're hitting towards that part of the season where you got to start thinking about, you're, you're about to have to make some decisions at some point in the next, you know, might be a few months from now, but it's about time to start making some decisions. We've got a couple of listener leagues that, that we've talked about in the past. We're going to look at those again right now. And, you know, Pete, I, we were saying before the show, like, I'm not ready to make keeper decisions. The season's not over. I have to look at like what draft cost is. But I am starting to poke around at these rosters and think about what are what are the choices I know I'm going to have to make? Who are the difficult decisions? Who are the guys that are locked in? And I, I don't know. There, there's some interesting ones and some guys worth worth talking about already where the last couple of weeks of the season probably won't change very much. Um, and there's some some tough calls to make. So I don't know if you have you been thinking about some of those difficult decisions you're going to have? Yeah, for sure. So uh, I must have been about a month ago now. Uh, you have to excuse me. Time has been weird. Like I was on summertime as a teacher for a while, and now I'm on teacher time. So <laughs> my time is warped. But whenever I had Matt Hackman on uh, that week that you were out, we we kind of went through this exercise towards the end of the show where we looked at our listener league teams and thought about who are we keeping. And I brought it up to you as a topic to discuss today, because even since that episode, I feel like I have changed completely. So you say you're not ready to pick your keepers. I'm with you 100%. Uh, you know, this is going to take me right up until the deadline. But things have changed quite a bit for me even since that episode. So I'm excited to dive into these rosters. Yes, let's let's do that. Let's start with League One, which is our 5x5 five five Roto League. The, the rules on this one, this is a... The keeper cost is plus two rounds. So if you picked a guy in the 10th, they cost an eighth. If you... Got a guy as a free agent. They are free, uh, not free. They're a last round pick. You can only keep one guy per round. So if you have like four fab pickups you want to keep, it's one of them's a last round pick, one of them's second to last round, and so on. This one also doesn't have a minor league section. So that, that makes it a little simpler to talk about. And you can't keep your first and second round picks because you can't keep guys who cost more than like there's no pick to give up right they're they're too expensive um i my my team in this and i'm i'm looking at the notes here and i know you're still sort of picking through your team so i'm going to talk about some of the guys that i have here first then i'll go over to you i think the there's a few sort of obvious ones for me even though tyler glass now hasn't necessarily been like 
pure, legit, number one, top of the rotation ace this year. He's been very, very good. And I, I picked him up in the 22nd round. This is this is just not a difficult choice. A 20th round Tyler Glass now is uh, I'm going to be keeping him. I'm confident I'm going to be keeping him. One of the best keepers in the league without question. Yeah. I was listening to Fantasy Baseball today, and the consensus was that Strider and Glass now are just on a different planet in long-term keeper leagues than every other pitcher. Yeah. And I... You know how I feel about glass now, yeah. so well done. So, and I could have had him, but I never mind. <laughs> so our draft, what a bad yeah. Pick. Who did? What did you take with that pick? Um, I believe so. You took Michael Harris Jr., which was great, and then uh, I one of my picks was George Kirby, who is even cheaper than Glass now, and I feel great about yeah. that. I think the other one was Lodolo, who I've already cut, so that one really yeah. hurt. My pitching just screwed me in this league. Yeah, that's that's not great. I do have and Harris is another one of the guys who's on my list. Like I got him. He's a 28th round pick. So he'll be a 26th round keeper for me. And Easy. Uh, yeah, I mean, money. The, the crazy thing with Harris is even with the slow start, he's a top 100 player. He's 90th on the Rasball player Raider. And it's pretty easy to look at what he's done and be like, there's a couple of things that will happen next year is one, he probably won't get off to an abysmally terrible, horrific start that tanks his value to the point that he's only top 90 instead of top 50. Uh, he also, you would think, doesn't hit ninth all of next season. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe he will. Maybe they're just like that, that lineup is just so good that like it seems crazy that he's a ninth place hitter. But then you're like, well... He's not hitting first or second and you're not putting him ahead. Like between like Albies and Acuna and Riley and Olsen and Murphy, like, I don't know. you move him up to sixth, seventh? Like, so maybe he will hit ninth, but regardless, he is an easy, easy keeper choice for me there. I picked up Tanner Bybee. We, you know, we don't have a minor league piece there. So when he got promoted, I picked up Tanner Bybee. Tyler Glass now in the 20th versus Tanner Bybee in what I think will be the 28th because I think that's our last round. I don't think it's that clear cut that Glass now is that much. I mean, they are both easy choices, but like Bybee's been better than Glass now this year. Right? Part of that is innings. He's thrown 142 innings to Glass now's 102, but his ERA is 0.55 better. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's debatable if he's been better. Glass now. Glassnow actually has more strikeouts strike than Bybee, or, despite um, the thirty yeah. fewer innings. I, but I, I, I don't. It doesn't matter. I'm really happy to have both of them. It's you got it's both. a nice way to start yeah. my rotation. Um, I don't have a lot of other super obvious pitching keepers. Like I still like Joe Musgrove, but he'll be a fourth round pick. I've been stashing him on my IR, but he's probably got to. He's no probably got to go. Liam Hendricks in the seventeenth is probably if he's healthy. Although he he's is he out for a chunk of next year already? Do we already know yeah, that he, about him? I thought he had because he had Tommy John. John. So maybe yeah, I'm probably not going to stash. I don't know. We'll have to see. I don't know that I feel like stashing him. But some, I mean, he's become. If we look at Hendricks, like he's now multiple years removed from the role. Yeah, Tommy John surgery, and he's older. So like you know. We've talked about him in the past in terms of the story. We're obviously all Team Hendricks, but uh, I I don't think he's yeah. worth it at that point. So then you get into some of my more 
I mean, I think I think Spencer Steer, 18th round pick, is is a keep, especially since I think he'll keep middle infield eligibility here. And you get to some interesting ones. So some of the names I want to to throw out that are that are sort of fascinating ones. There was a point earlier this season where Luis Robert Jr., who I picked in the fourth round would be a second round keeper for me, was kind of an obvious choice to keep with a second round pick. And he's really cooled off lately. And like on the Rasball player Raider, he is currently 26th. The 26 isn't bad, but it's, it's not a second round pick. Now there's some inflation in keeper leagues. And so the other thing that's interesting about this league is that we do a, I believe this is one of the leagues where we pick, like we do like a, a draft, a draft pick, pick draft, right? Like we we set our draft by. I'm trying to look through this and just double check that this is correct, but I'm fairly certain. Yeah, the last place team right. in this league will get the first choice of what draft slot they take, not the first pick, their first choice of what draft slot they want. So I'm looking at this and I don't know where I'm picking. I could end up with the first overall pick. And if I end up with the first overall pick and my second round pick is number 24, Robert gets interesting again as a keeper, right? Because if you think he's a top 30-ish player and you expect some amount of inflation and draft cost, he's he's possibly worth keeping with that end of a second round pick. If I end up with the 12th pick and my second round pick is the 13th pick, then I'm not going to keep Robert. But it's it's really a fascinating one for me because he's just things look so good for a while, and he's been sort of only okay lately. Yeah, he's so the good news about that is that like the streakiness, if that's going to be a thing with him, doesn't matter because this is a rotisserie league, and even though stolen bases are up around the league, I'm trying to pull up Robert's stats right now. Um, yeah, 17 stolen bait. Like he's, he's going to be a contributor there and you know how I feel in Roto versus head to head, right? I'm not as concerned with stolen bases and head to head, but I'm maybe willing to pay a little bit to get it in rotisserie. And I think you'd agree, Chad, right? Like Luis Robert, we're debating if he's a second rounder or not. I think he has a first round potential. So the actual cost is one thing, but if you feel like he has first round potential, I, I think he could be worth it. Yeah, I think that the challenge for me is I, I do have him in in a in that CBS league I was talking about. I have him there, and his last month, so dating back to August sixteenth, he has a sixty two WRC plus. And you're yes. right in in a in a roto league, it's like eh, he sucked the last month, but it still sort of comes out in the wash and a head to head league. I, I've just been very aware of how much he's struggled. And that's been, that actually applies to another guy that I have a, maybe a less difficult choice on because he'll only cost me an 11th round pick. But Masataka Yoshida has fallen back to the point where an 11th round pick is suddenly not so obvious. It seemed obvious at one point and he's been really bad lately, like bad, bad. Um, I actually, I also have, he's losing play time. What? A little bit. He's losing playing time. He's, he's kind of, he's kind of, yeah, he's been in it. But I think, you know, there, there has been some talk that he like has hit a little bit of a wall just cause 
the 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 MLB season versus the season in Japan is like it's longer. You are traveling significantly further distances. Like it's uh the it's a more exhausting season. And there's some talk that Yoshida sort of running into that and that he'll probably you know, maybe that he'll be fine next year once he's ready. Sort of like we were talking about with a guy like Gavin Williams earlier, where he sort of hit that rookie wall or, or Andrew Abbott. But I don't know. I mean, he's he's 113th on the player raider, which puts him as a sort of a 10th round value in a in a 12 teamer. Um and I have to give up an 11th to keep him. I I I probably keep him, but he has moved from an obvious keeper for me to a guy who I don't know, he like you know, Yoshida, he's got 15 home runs and eight stolen bases. His value really comes from sort of OBP and rates overall. And that's a little bit less exciting to bank. And, and so I'm not sure what I'm going to do with him. So like, I've got those two big questions in, in my outfield. And, you know, then I've got Harris as sort of an obvious outfield keeper. Uh, a 23rd round, Lars Newbar is a fairly obvious keeper for me. So... I'm starting to like, eh, maybe I'm just going to piece together my outfield through some others and I let Yoshida go. I would have no issues with letting Yoshida go. I like it. He's, he's a classic case. So, and I think these players are more rare than maybe fantasy analysts let on, but he is an actual example of he's better in real life than he is in fantasy. And he's not a good fielder. So that might even be a stretch, but like, he's a good hitter. He he's just a better is, offensive he's player not in real life. Than he is fantasy well. numbers. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Yeah, we've been. He's we. Niv and I have him on that League Thirteen team, and we were making some outfield decisions yesterday. We'll have to make some again today. But like our outfield in that league, we've got Schwarber, Tasker Hernandez, Randy Rosarena, Nolan Jones. We picked up Seiya Suzuki when he uh, right at the trade deadline, and he's been just absolutely wonderful for us. Um, Kerry Carpenter, who I think is like. Some of people are missing that Kerry Carpenter's Please. having a great year. Uh, Lane yeah. Thomas, who's been really good for us. And then we have Yoshida. Um, and Yoshida's been sort of glued to our bench lately. And I'm not feeling bad about that. Like today, today our choices are a little easier in that league because we've got to bench basically three of those guys. And Lane Thomas is facing Brandon Woodruff. And Carpenter and Yoshida are both facing lefties. Um, and I was, you know, Yoshida splits aren't crazy, crazy, but I was benching him against lefties just because I had good deep options in that league anyways. And now at this point in the season, like he's glued, like he's getting benched against a lot of righties for me because he just hasn't been good enough. Um, but yeah. Niv was like, what do you mean we're benching Yoshida? And I was like, go look at what he's done. He's like, yeah, but everyone goes cold for a while. And I was like, it's been like two months. I think I think the I think what I told him yesterday was he's got a he has like a seventy two WRC plus over the last two months and like yeah it's it it even if he's just in a cold spell well this is rookie season yeah. we don't know if he's gonna break out of this like yeah he's got all the tools right. to break out of it but we still don't I guess my point is we know he'll break out of this bad of a slump if his WRC plus is down in the seventies or whatever it is but we don't actually know quite how good he is. So that doesn't mean you sell out a roster spot yeah. for him, let alone a keeper. Spot. I was actually giving him too much credit for the last two months since July 17th, his WRC plus is 59. Uh, so he's been 
bad, bad, bad. Uh, and so, yeah. So he he's played his way into difficult decision territory for me when at one point he looked just like a super obvious easy keeper. And, and I, I think the reality is for me, he's moved like he's moved to that part where he's probably still going to cost somewhere in that 10th to 13th ish round range. That probably means that with some inflation, he's worth keeping for an 11th round pick. But as I said, my outfield, when I look at my keepers, I'm going to have some tough choices to make. And I am probably, I'm definitely keeping Michael Harris. I'm definitely keeping Lars Newbar. I'm probably keeping Anthony Santander, who's had a, like, by the Raswell player raider, has been better than Yoshida and will cost me a lot less. I have an interesting decision to make on Max Kepler, who suddenly looks great again and who I picked up as a free agent. And I just, I think Yoshida is going to be the kind of guy that in a lot of places for me is a borderline keeper because of his cost and loses out because, not because he's a bad keeper, but because there's better options. Yeah, I, there's no chance I'd keep Kepler over him, but the rest of them, you know, and I I have a hard time believing that if Yoshida's on the board in the 11th round, I'm taking him. I think there's just going to be players I I like more there, so... Um, I'm with the direction that you're leaning. Yeah. So let's take a real quick break. And when we come back, uh, Pete, it'll be your turn to talk through listener league one and what you're thinking with some of your, your tough keeper choices. We'll be right back. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. And that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right. Welcome back. We are going through Listener League 1. I already talked through my keepers. Pete, you're about to talk through yours. This league, this league by the way, uh, you and I are in a, uh, a fight for second place. Um, we have absolutely no shot really of getting to first place. <laughs> but the, there, this one, yeah, there is a team just running away with that league. It's a five-by-five five league. They have 108.5 points. That is, yeah. Neither of us are catching them. But... We are in a fight for second. There's a chance that one of us could finish as far down as fifth, but it'll be it's going to be an interesting interesting battle. I've got you by a point and a half right now. But we're not talking about the race, we're talking about keepers. So let's uh let's look at your roster and other than the fact that I am sure you're very sad that you are not allowed to keep Ronald Acuña Jr. What are you thinking through? Well, uh, first of all, you know, I, I do want to touch upon the standings. Like, this is how rotisserie release can just break your heart. I was in first place by like eight or nine points on average for, I think, the entire first half of the season. And then once that dude took the lead and full credit to him, 
it was like sayonara, like no freaking chance. That league broke my heart. I, I kept too much pitching. Like I had a cheap Severino, cheap Lodolo, cheap Tristan McKenzie. How did those three names work out? So this has been a very frustrating league. I'm the only idiot in fantasy that had both Freddie Freeman and Ronald Acuna Jr. this year and isn't winning their league. <laughs> like that, that could only possibly happen to me. Um, my keeper situation is much better in listener league too. I'll start with that. Um, okay. I'm, I, and I'll, I guess I'll also start with my only obvious keepers in my mind. My only obvious keepers in my mind are George Kirby for a 26th round pick, which like, thank God I have that. And then Devin Williams for a 15th round pick, especially in a rotisserie league. I feel like those two are locks. Both of them are going to go way higher than those draft costs. And then it kind of gets interesting because it's a bunch of players who are either completely unproven or slightly unproven or injury risks. Um, so on the notes sheet, I highlighted eight names because I'm not convinced I even have nine keepers. Huh. The eight names that I have as keepers right now, like if I've gun to my head, have to make a decision, here are the eight names I'm keeping. I'm going to keep Francisco Alvarez for a 14th round pick. Now it's not a two-keeper league. I mean a two-catcher league. So that irks me a little bit. But I just think... His upside is so high, and he's gone on stretches this year where you got to see it. And now we get him a full off season. We get him ready to go for a sophomore year. I think he could p- produce a, a much better than 14th round value, um, especially for a catcher. Then I've got a slew of guys who I picked up off a of free agency. Um, Chase McCormick from Houston. I can't believe I'm saying his name is a keeper, but keep in mind folks, it's round value, right? And I added him off free agency and like I'm I'm just waiting for the bottom to fall out, but this guy's carried me in so many leagues so far that if he's free and it's a five outfielder league, and I I say free, he's a 28th round yeah. pick and if I keep a lot of 28th round picks, then it makes them more expensive. So it's not completely free, but I've got him highlighted. Let's let's pause for a second. I want to talk Chris I want to talk about McCormick sure. for a second because uh you've had him for six days and you've had him for six days because he was picked up as a free agent back in April. He was undrafted, picked up as a free agent in April, dropped in May, picked up a week later, dropped again a week later, sat unclaimed for almost two months, over two months. And I picked him up. Ridiculous. I picked him up without anybody bidding against me. I put in a $0 claim. I dropped Jake McCarthy. At the time, I was a little worried about dropping, but he just, yeah, whatever. Jake McCarthy, see you later. And then I, I had McCormick, and he helped me out quite a bit for like almost, almost six weeks. He was awesome. And I hit a point where we we just talked about my outfield, right? We were just talking about this league that I've got. You know, leaving aside the fact that Yoshida's been bad, I have. I have Yoshida, I have Nupar, I have Santander, I have Kepler, I have Harris. Like I had a deep outfield. And McC- this is a weekly league, and so McCormick was glued to my bench. As good as he's been, I hadn't been using it. And so uh, a week ago, two weeks ago now, I dropped him to pick up Kibrian Hayes, both because Hayes has really turned things around and he actually, we didn't talk about it with my team, but like he's become an interesting keeper choice for me for a free agent cost. I, and because I just, I, I needed players to try to, I decided I was going to make my run at second place. And at the time I was like, eh, I don't know that I care about keeping McCormick. And so it's really interesting to me that he is a guy you've highlighted this quickly. But as I'm looking at him, like, I can't argue with that. Like, 
he's got a he's got an outside shot in the 2020 season and it's an OBP league and he's really strong and on base. He's 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 having a season that justifies that conversation. And I think I sort of I don't know. We just like again, we just talked about Yoshida in the 13th round and 11th round keeper cost. McCormick and Yoshida are next to each other in the Rasball player rater. They're 112 and 113. And and they're trending in opposite absolute directions. opposite directions. I mean, like again, folks might hear this and be like, holy crap, someone's actually gonna keep Chase McCormick. But it's it's just about finding value. Yeah. My team doesn't have a lot of it, but if Chase McCormick is is a regular in the Astros lineup, which I know has been a little bit of a hot spot, particularly with the manager lately. But like, if he is, that's crazy value. And it's not like he's terrible against righties. He's holding his own against righties. He's hitting 250. He's got more home runs against the uh, against righties. Like, I think he's going to be an. They're at least going to try him as an everyday player. There's no reason not to. It's a great lineup, and he's free. So I'm not committing to keeping him, but the idea of a guy who's probably going to go, I don't know, I'd say in the, the 170 to 200 range, especially in five outfielder leagues, getting him for a last round value is pretty good. But if I'm keeping, and we had this conversation last year, if I'm keeping a lot of guys at that 28th round value, well, that obviously pushes some of them up, right? Like you have to pay the round higher to keep yeah. you know multiple players of the same round. Well, that sudden- that's what I'm looking at on your team right now. You have five guys on your list. Only four of them are highlighted. You have five guys on your list. McCormick, Bryant. That is that is is that Chris Bryant? Did you pick up? Evan Carter. You, did you, pick, I, you did Bryant, pick Chris Evan Bryant. Carter. Okay. So McCormick, Chris Bryant, Evan Carter, Kyle Harrison, Braxton Garrett are all 28th round pick values. You've highlighted George Kirby in the 26th. Is that is he going to cost you a twenty sixth or is he going to cost you a twenty fourth? Yes, my league one rounds are updated, so Kirby will cost a twenty sixth. My league two, when we get to that, are not. Yeah. So if you ended up keeping all of those guys, and you use McCormick's the twenty eighth, Brian a twenty seventh, Carter a twenty sixth, Kirby a twenty fifth, Harrison a twenty fourth, Garrett a twenty third, right? All of a sudden, you're pushing one of those last round guys up five, six rounds. And so that, that's where it gets really interesting of like, as you start to sort those guys, you get some interesting choices of like, do you tank the long-term keeper value of a guy like McCormick by making him a 23rd round keeper where all of a sudden he gets borderline in the future. And then he also becomes maybe borderline now. Or do you keep him with the 28th and keep, let's say, uh, Kyle Harrison with the 23rd because you're like, look, Harrison's going to establish himself as like a, eighth to 10th round value i'm i'm thrilled to have him like it, it you get some really interesting choices there and that's where i think a guy like mccormick becomes sort of a challenge is like where do you slot him in there and if you're slotting him in as the most expensive of those keepers is he then still worth it yeah even then he'd probably be taken in like the 270s 280s with yeah. that pick which to me is like it's definitely a lot more questionable than it was before obviously um, but without question, I am making him the most expensive of that group. I, I, I don't think there's, I wouldn't listen to an argument in the otherwise. There's no way I'm making him a 30th just to like make sure I get value, but he, no, 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 you're, and that's not a, it's not because you think he's the most valuable of those guys. It's actually because you're saying he's effectively the least valuable of those guys. No, like that's a term. I, mean. like I want to get right, value. Yeah. Right. You want to, you want to, you want to maximize his cost, not because you want him to be expensive, but because you want everyone else in that list to be cheap. 
so that three years from now, those other guys are still cheap when McCormick is probably not, not sticking around that long. Yeah. Yeah. That I mean, he, I think he could still give me value in that range, but um, again, it, it does so, make him more iffy. Another guy I, that you've picked up as a free agent who I don't see on your list, highlighted or otherwise, don't see him on your list at all, is Mason Miller. Are you not considering, I mean, now granted, 28th round could become 23rd round as we talked about, but are you not considering a 28th round Mason Miller? No, I thought about putting him on here. Um, I just, realistically, I don't think he's going to be able to show me enough between now and the end of the season, which is, you know, two weeks from now, three weeks from now, whatever it is, to warrant keeping over one of these other guys. So, like, I'm very much a let's go win this thing right now. And, like, best case scenario, and I, I, I... I'm a believer in Mason Miller's stuff. I think everybody is. He is absolutely disgusting. But what's the best case innings pitch scenario next year? You know, and like, granted, if I keep him for a 28th and he gives me 100 awesome innings next year, he's probably amazing value for a 26th. Like, that's a real good right. long-term play potentially. But I want to win this thing next year. Like, I I feel like if my pitching didn't let me down, I would have won it this year. I, I want to win the league, so I have no interest in keeping Mason Miller. Yeah, and, and I do think that the challenge with him is it's not just that, like, I don't think he's going to show me enough over the next month. It's like, or next couple of weeks. Like, he, he can't. Yeah. Because the question with him is like the an talent. inning last night or something. Right. But even if they said, even if they started to like, okay, he went an inning last time, he's going to go three innings. He goes five. Like, even if he makes a five inning, six inning outing before the yeah, season's no. over, it doesn't matter because the big question with him remains can he throw more than 40 innings in a season? Right. I mean, that's and that's the issue is like if you look at his let's pull up his history real quick. Mason Miller has been a pro since 2021. He threw six innings in 2021. He threw 14 innings in 2022. He is now up to let's see, 38, 41, 44. Is that right? 44 and two thirds innings this year. He has an outside shot to get to 50 innings. And if he does, he will have blown away anything he's ever done before. And I, I I'm with you when you only have, and it seems crazy when you only have nine keepers, because nine keepers isn't like a small number, but when you only have nine keepers, you have to make tough choices. One of those tough choices is going to be like, do I really want to keep a guy who I, you, you cannot look at him next year and pencil him in for hundred innings. You can't, you can, pen, you can sit here and say, I believe in the talent. He's going to strike out, you know, 10 to 12 guys per nine innings. You just can't pencil him in for more than like, I don't know. If if you told me you were predicting 75 from him, I'd be like, that that feels a little aggressive, but I get it. He's going to hit close to 50 this year. He jumps that by another 50% next year and gets up to 75. Okay. And yes, it is possible he stays healthy. They have him go like four to five innings at a time. But if they do that, then... I don't know. He's not getting very many wins. It's just, it's really hard to predict what he looks like. And so I, I'm with you. I think he, he is a really hard choice to keep in a league like this. In an auto new league, if you have like a $3 Mason Miller, keep him. Like then I'm, then I'm fine with that. Then you bet on the talent and that's fine. But if, if you're going to be in a situation where like, like again, look at your list, we talked about this 28th round Braxton Garrett, who you don't have highlighted. I think you keep Braxton Garrett over Miller if that's what the choice, like if you came down to that choice, because assuming Garrett has a rotation spot, which certainly seems like he should given the way he's pitched, 
you can pencil them in for a pretty full season of success. So one of the categories for this league is literally innings pitched. I mean, it wouldn't be any better if it was wins yeah. instead. Like in either scenario, right. it's oh, going to be bad. That's right. We went to innings pitch for this one. But like, I mean, it's right on the nose innings pitch. So um, yeah. he, he was under consideration when I got him for free. And I was like, okay, that's fun. But I haven't really been thinking about him as a keeper in this particular league for a while. Not to mention... Like I feel like I'm already getting some pretty good value on, on pitching as it is, whereas my hitters are kind of iffy. So uh, it's just not something I'm concerned with. The Chris Bryant, I find kind of interesting. Like I wouldn't in any other scenario. He's a guy I almost never have. Even when he was really good, it's just it just kind of worked out that way. I never really had Chris Bryant. But since he's come back, he's actually been hitting the ball pretty well. And he's an impossible player to read because if you look at the stack cast data for Chris Bryant, you will perpetually be disappointed but that's not he's an unpredictable player it's almost like like arenado like you look at the stack cast data i don't know what it is this year for arenado but guys who have performed really really well despite you look at the stack cast page and you're like all right he doesn't barrel the ball that much his exit velocity is actually kind of weak chris bryant's just good he's in colorado who knows maybe he has his feet under him. these are the risks you actually can take when players are that cheap I mean, it, it's that simple. If Chris Bryant was even just two rounds cheap, like let's say he's on average going the 11th round. If I had him for a 13th, I'm not keeping him because I just, I'm not that excited about the player. But if you're going to give me the option to keep a player who has like top 100 upside for free, well, now I'm going to do it. And he's, you know, he's obviously had a trouble staying healthy, but his two seasons since going to the Rockies, he's now got 482 plate appearances, 113 games played across those two seasons. 15 home runs, 274 average, uh, 353 on base. Now, the the challenge with him is that team is um, it's it's bad. It's I don't know if you've you've noticed that that team is bad. But that team is bad, and so like he's at 62 runs and 44 RBI over that two year stretch. Now, again, it's only 113 games, so it's like he's pacing a little better than that, but like. He's just not going to – he's going to score a decent number of runs because he gets on base, but he's just not going to score that many because no one's driving him in, and he's not going to drive in very many because literally nobody on that team except him can get on base. So he doesn't steal you any bases. But I think you can feel pretty comfortable you're going to get a, a nice average benefit and some good power, especially at cores. Um I like him better in daily leagues where you can play matchups and home road platoons with him a little bit better. But, you know, even in this, like he goes on a, a week long road trip, then you bench him for that week and that's fine. Um, but the numbers are, the numbers are decent and they have the potential to be very good. And like you said, if he stays healthy and plays a fullish season, the upside is, I think I actually like top 100 is selling him a little short. Like he could be a top 50 guy again. Like he's got that capability. Um, you know, if you, you tell me he stays healthy and puts up like playing at cores, a, a let's say a 280 to 285 average with 30 home runs. Yeah, that's that's not a crazy thing to think he could do. So I, I get it. I I still think he's a little bit of a tough call because I just worry about how much volume you get from him. How hurt is he? How comfortable do you end up being playing him on the road? Things like that. I just, it's a little bit of a struggle, but it'll come down to, do you have better choices, right? He, exactly. he certainly belongs in the conversation. That's that's always what it comes down to with keepers is like, we can 
especially if you're keeping a guy with a last round pick, very rarely is it going to be something where like it's this flawless player because otherwise he probably would have been taken earlier. You you can always poke holes in it. It's just what's the upside. And I think for for Chris Bryant, it's it's obviously pretty high. Uh, we can kind of lightning round these last picks here. Evan Carter is a consensus top 10 prospect. He's been performing pretty well at the major leagues, even though he's striking out a lot so far. And with this being an OBP league, a five outfielder league, I'm, I'm actually really excited to keep Evan Carter. The more I think about it, all in on that. Kyle Harrison, CSW north of 30, another guy who's kind of a top prospect in baseball, have him for free. Um, I'm kind of, I'm really like the, the taste for keeping pitchers in this league is really soured for me. But when it's a player with Kyle Harrison's upside, that's fine with me. And then. Um, the one closer I didn't mention was Camilo Duvall at around 10 value, which I think is still with it being a rotisserie league going to be value. I think it's going to be pretty nice for a five outfielder league and obviously a rotisserie league with saves to go into the draft, at least knowing like I'm looking okay in outfield and I, I don't need a draft a closer. Like I'm good. I'm going to finish close to the top in that category and I can completely put it out of sight, out of mind in the draft because even in, especially in a keeper league, they're going to get pushed up even more. Um, so Duvall is, he's borderline, but I might just end up keeping him and banking that. Are you concerned? I mean, the last month Duvall, like he has a seven and a half ERA over the last month. And it's not just like noise. He's a 5.30 FIP. The strikeouts have dried up. The walks have gone up. The home runs, the home run per nine, it's more than doubled. Um, are, are you like, are you looking at that and like, oh man, I wonder if, I don't know. I wonder if he's broken. I wonder like, or are you just like, eh, like keeping, keeping in mind that, you know, like I said, it's over a month, a month for him because he's a reliever is uh, eight and a third innings pitched. Are you just like, yeah, people have bad stretches of eight innings. I'm not that concerned. Yeah. Especially with this particular position. I think, I think the giants like Duvall. He's, he settled into that role and uh, no, I'd need to see a lot worse or news of an injury for, for that to matter. All right. Let's take another quick break. We come back. We'll flip over to Keeper League number two and talk about that one. All right. Welcome back. We're going through some some interesting keeper decisions that we each have to make. And we're going to jump over to Keeper League number two. This is our head-to-head league. This is the one I mentioned earlier. I'm down six to four in the playoffs. And it is a it is a distant six to four deficit <laughs> I face. Uh, I'm not coming back from it. So some interesting choices for me in this one. Two of them are actually crossovers with the other league. And so I'll, we'll, we'll talk about them a little bit. In this case, we get to got, keep guys for one round better, more expensive than we kept them in the other, or then we drafted them. So it's a little bit cheaper to keep guys. Again, in this year, we are... And again, in this league, we we set the draft order by choice. And so the team that finishes seventh in this case, the best team to miss the playoffs, gets first pick of what pick they want. That means I'm going to likely have sort of a middle pick in terms of what pick I want to get. And the reason I mention that here is it's actually pretty important to me because it is exceedingly unlikely that I will not keep Mookie Betts. I picked him with the second pick in the second round. This is a case where like, uh, you know, I had, I had a difficult choice towards the end of the first round because there were a couple of guys on the board I really wanted. And they were Kyle Tucker and Mookie Betts. And I went back and forth between the two of them. 
And I ended up taking Tucker. And you could argue I made the wrong choice because Betts has been better. But Betts fell to me three picks later, and I took him at the top of the second round. And now I can't keep Tucker because he's a first-round pick, and I, there's there's no value there. But I can keep Betts. And in th- that means that in this league, I am suddenly very interested in a late first-round pick. Because I don't care deeply about, like, it doesn't really matter to me how early or late in the round my, like, 18th round pick is, right? I just, at the beginning of the draft, I care. And I would love to pick, like, 10th. Give up my 10th pick overall for Mookie and have an early second round pick to use for someone interesting at that point. So that that one becomes a really, like... It's going to change my strategy in this sort of like KDS type process we have for picking picks, because usually what I do is I look at like, who do I think is to be available? And like, okay, there's like six guys I'm interested in. I want a top six pick. So I get one of those six guys in this case, you know, unless I get really messed up and end up stuck with like the first overall pick, which seems like a crazy thing to say. But if I get stuck with the first overall pick, I probably won't keep Mookie. Because actually, let me take that back. If you have the first overall pick in the draft, you should never keep your first round pick ever. Because one of two things is going to happen either somebody else is going to be available at the top of the draft who I like better, or there won't be. And I'll pick Mookie with that pick and I'll have gotten to keep somebody else later, anyways. So realistically, it's not even just the top pick. Like if I, if I look at the draft and I'm like, yeah, there's like, three guys, there's Mookie and two others that I could see near the top of the draft that are all going to be available. I won't keep him. I'll just use, like, I'll, I'll pick him up or I won't, and it'll be fine. But I really, really want to be at the end of the draft in this one. I want to, I want, I want that 12th pick for Mookie, and then I'll go from there. I think, so in this situation, like, your, your worst case scenario, though, like, if you got the first overall pick, like, you know what? If you miss out on, or let's not even say first overall pick because that's a pretty good situation. Let's say you get a yeah. mid first round pick and you're like, ah, do I keep Mookie? Do I not? Whoever you take with that first pick combined with whoever you keep instead is still probably right. going to outperform Mookie Betts. So it is such a rare circumstance yeah. where it is actually worth keeping that player. And like, I obviously get it. A 12th round pick or 12th overall pick for Mookie Betts. That's a no brainer. Sure. But right. you might even find if you had some really good free agent pickups that you're like, you know what? Mookie might be out because it's still a first round cost. The upside is only so high. And like every other year, the first round looks like it's going to be super deep, especially that mid first round portion. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, we'll see. I think the, what I have to look at in this league is as we get closer, I'll have to take a look at who I expect to be kept. Because Mookie could be a guy who looks like a mid first round pick in in sort of your your typical redraft, but is especially if he still has middle infield eligibility, which I have to go back and look at the rules and see whether or not he's going to make the cut for this league. But if I have a middle infield slash outfield Mookie bets, my guess is for me, he ends up as like a top four pick, even in redraft, which means that. I, I'm probably like if I'm picking in the back half of the first round, I'm probably keeping Mookie here. If I'm p- picking in the front half of the first round, then I'll have a tougher choice. 
Um, but again, in this league, I have some control over that. I should have like the fifth or sixth choice. There is a reasonable chance that the teams that have the first few choices are going to take early picks because they want to get those guys. And I think it'll likely put me in a position where I can end up picking like 11th or 12th. And it'll make this an easy decision for me. Well, I didn't realize he played 50, he made 53 starts at second base this year. I didn't realize he made just that many starts at second. Uh, he made 12 starts at short. Okay, so he's he is he is going to keep middle infield eligibility everywhere. He's going to be second base outfield in every format. And with 12 starts and 16 appearances at short, he's going to have middle he's going to have second short and outfield in a lot of places. So that's that's that helps. Because middle infield is the next thing I want to talk about here, and my middle infield choices are uh they're interesting. Across the board interesting. So I picked Tyro Estrada in the 14th round. He would be a 13th round for me to keep. I picked Xander Bogarts in the fifth. He is not a guy I'm going to keep in the fourth. Uh, Justin Turner, you picked in the 17th and then traded him to me, but a 16th round Justin Turner suddenly looks intriguing. And I think, I don't know if he's going to have enough. He has second base right now. So I, I have to see whether or not he's going to keep middle infield or whether I'm only looking at him at the corner. Um, and then I've got Ezekiel Tovar, who I took in the 12th. So he would cost me an 11th. I have Andres Jimenez, who I kept, I think, for a 27th. So he cost me a 26th. I've got, S- uh, I've got uh, Zach Neto, who I picked up as a free agent and cost me a last round pick. I like all those guys. And, you know, Tovar, like Tovar right now is 158th on the player Raider. But he also got off to a cold start and has been much better as the season's worn on. He's he's slowing down a bit again, but he's also like a, he's a he's a child, right? He's is he still twenty one or is he twenty two now? Um, I can't remember, but he's he's very young, and like I said, keeping him for an eleventh round pick, which is fairly close ish to what his value has been this year. When I believe in his upside beyond that, I, I think there's a good chance that when I actually start to rank my keepers, he ends up as like my 11th best keeper and not making the cut for me. But I, I'm going to have just some interesting choices here because Bogarts is probably gone, but Betts, Estrada, Tovar, Turner, if he's keeping middle infield, Jimenez and Zach Neto are all guys that I like to some degree at their keeper value. And I just, I'm not going to keep that many middle infielders. And so that's sort of like the position that is most fascinating to me in this one. I think Jimenez, for as cheap as you have him, is and is already, in my mind, a better fantasy asset than Ezekiel Tovar. I think that makes yeah. the Tovar expendable. Like, I, I totally understand keeping him at an 11th, right? Because, I mean, the argument makes sense if, if with that terrible first couple of months he's still in the 150s on the rasball player reader and you know he's like 138th pick to keep or whatever like that's that's pretty much value that, that that's pretty much breaks even but it's not exactly what we're trying to do with our keepers right we're trying to find value and so i like if if it's not a position of need i think i'd rather go somewhere else but at the end of the day i mean man it's 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 putting your money where your mouth is because i do like ezekiel tovar and so if you're telling me i get this potentially top 50 player for you know an 11th round pick. I'm kind of in on that. The problem is a lot of guys have top 50 upside. So 
Um, I think I'd rather just just keep Jimenez and, and fix up the rest of my roster. Plus, you know how I am with with head to head leagues, right? Head to head category leagues. I err on the side of power. And although Tovar could definitely hit for power, I think it might be a few years till we see his power peak. So I'd rather use that pick to, to bank some some of those bankable stats. Yeah, I mean, to- Tovar, the, the, so here's like his last 311 plate appearances. So let's call it half a season. He is 10 home runs, eight stolen bases, 43 runs, 43 RBIs, and a 266 average. You prorate that over a full season, and that's 20 home runs, 16, RBI, 16 stolen bases, 86 each on runs and RBIs, and a 266 average. And like... I, I know enough about baseball to know that like development isn't linear and you can't just sit here and say like, oh, well, that's what he did as a you know 21 and 22 year old. So next year is definitely going to be better. But you can see the trajectory on this kid and where he's headed. And so do I look at him and think like, you know, 25 homers, 20 stolen bases and pushing 100 runs and RBIs is is in his like it's not just in his range of outcomes. It's not, I wouldn't say it's his, a reasonable outcome, but it's in, it's, it's like a 60th to 70th percentile. It's not a 90th percentile outcome for him. And so when I look at that, it's like, man, do I really want to give that up? But I, I think to your point that like, there's a good chance that where I keep him would end up being a break even ish, which means if I really believe in him, I can probably get him back. Even if I end up paying around premium, I keep somebody who's a better keeper. And if I don't keep him for a, what did I say? A, a 11th for an 11th. If I have to take him in the 10th or even the ninth, instead of keeping him for an 11th, because I believe in that upside, if it allows me to keep somebody who's a better keeper, that could be worth it. And then I also, then I of course have the choice. I could get to the ninth or 10th round and be like, actually there's better choices here. So I, I think there's a good chance he doesn't make it for me. Zach Neto for a last round pick. I really like him and I just don't know that he's shown me quite enough this year. I think what I'm likely to do is end up keeping bets in the first Jimenez towards the end and then figuring out middle infield later because the other guy again on this list that that sort of we haven't really talked about yet is is Tyro Estrada who I don't know. 12 home runs, 21 stolen bases, 275 average. And that's, you know, he missed yeah. some time. So he's going to end up at 120-ish games. Like, I don't know. He's he's put, he's put another guy. He could push 2020. Probably not. He's probably more like 1525. But 1525 with a high average is a pretty nice thing to have. At a 13th round pick, I'm, I'm just not sure like he's lower he's 193 on the player rater he's lower than tovar so i i think i'm gonna end up letting a lot of those guys go and just jimenez bats and then figure out the rest of middle infield later i think that's the right move i'm i'm i like tyro estrada for for what he is in head-to-head category leagues i'm i'm less interested and i don't see the giants offense drastically improving either which is already kind of a not great offense so i i I'd rather shoot for the upside on Tovar if I had to choose between those two players, but I totally understand keeping neither or both. Yeah. So then I've got some, my minor leagues. This is the, this league, we have a minor league portion of the draft. Um, Some quick explanation about it works. The minor league portion of the draft is three picks. 
you get five minor league spots and you can stash guys for as long as you want in the minors. The only way you can acquire guys in the minors is via the draft or via trade. You cannot pick up minor league players in season. You can't move players into your minor league spots. So there is some advantage to getting yourself down to two minor league players before the draft so you can use all three of your draft picks. If you if you have four minor league players you're stashing, you only get to make one pick in the minor league portion of the draft. I have not done particularly well in the minor league portion of this one. Um, I have four minor leaguers right now. One of them is Drew Jones, who I, I still believe long term is a talent that I that I want to that I want to have, but he certainly hasn't sort of built himself into the elite prospect future star that I thought he would when I took him. I'm looking at the latest top. I think I have the top 250 in front of me, but Eric Cross put out a top 500 at the beginning of September, middle first week of September. He has Drew Jones 83rd on that list. That's not that's not where I wanted him to be for this pick mm-hmm. of value. But my other minor leaguers are are Zach Veen, who is even lower on that list. Like he's probably not a top hundred guy anymore. Um, Marco Luciano, who's probably not a top hundred guy anymore. And Ken Waldachuk, who is the guy I actually want to talk about here, because this is what it comes down to for me is I will, I I can keep two guys in minor league spots at no cost to me. And so Jones, I'm going to hold on to, he's going to stay in a minor league spot. There's still a chance he breaks out and and reemerges as an elite prospect. Veen and Luciano, I think I'm just going to let go. Maybe I hold on to one of them and, and whether or not I hold on to one of them, comes down to a question of what I decide to do with Ken Waltachuk. And so here's the thing with Waltachuk. You can promote, we can promote minor league players after the keeper deadline. So I can keep my nine guys and then promote Waltachuk. Now I have to give up a draft pick for him. So if I've given up my like last four picks, he might cost me a 23rd round pick, but he doesn't cost me, his, his future value is not tied to that pick. His future value is as a, promoted minor leaguer, which means he'll cost me a a last round pick in subsequent years. I just give up the pick because my roster will be full by the time I get to that pick, if that makes sense. So yeah, I'd have to give up a pick to keep him, but not really. His last, you know, see how how far back do I want to go with him? Go back to roughly the all-star break. He has a 3.17 ERA since... July 14th. His first, I think it was his first appearance after the All-Star break. He has nine starts and two relief appearances in that stretch, but those relief appearances were as a follower. And so they're a four and two-third inning appearance and a six-inning appearance. In this league, we do have wins. And so because it's wins and not quality starts, being a follower is fine. Right? You followers who have good appearances get wins, right? If their team wins the game. So that's fine. His FIP is only 4.28, 4.68x FIP over that stretch. So he hasn't been quite as good as that 3.17 ERA. But there's a lot of stuff trending in the right direction for him. That there was a point earlier in the season where he just looked like a complete and utter lost cause. And he doesn't anymore. And the talent is still there, right? There's a reason that people were super high on him before the season started. And so... I think I have two choices with Waldachuk. One choice is 
I just ditch Veen and Luciano. I stash Jones and I stash Waldachuk for another year. I still get to use my three draft picks and I call up Waldachuk if and when I'm ready. The other is, and this will probably depend on what happens with his draft cost. If there's some hype around him preseason and his draft cost is looking like it's going to be a 20th rounder, I might just give up my 23rd, 24th, whatever it ends up being, and promote him. Open up a minor league spot for someone else and and have him in my rotation because talent is starting to show up. He pitches in a great park. I, I I think I'm in on him. So I have to figure out. I think he will be on my roster next year, no matter what. I just haven't, I have to figure out how he ends up on my roster. Yeah, he's a, he's definitely someone that's kind of flown under the radar for me this year because, you know, I I was in on him when he first got traded to Oakland. I thought he, that was a pretty good haul for Frankie Montas. And I think obviously the Yankees would like to have that one back if I'm remembering correctly. I have seen the, the most recent starts. He's still not getting the strikeouts. And I see that CSW beneath 26%. And it's just, I mean, like any other keeper, it comes down to the cost and it fits for your team. I just... He seems like if he pans out, that's a luxury, but you're not going to obviously plan anything for, for Ken Waldachuk. So yeah. it's one of those where like Luciano and, and Veen, I'm not too excited about either, especially in this particular format, actually. So if if you went with right. Waldachuk and just burned the spot on him, like I, I don't think there's any harm in that at all. Because if you don't use it, it's not like you don't you get anything for it anyway. You know what I mean? I guess the alternative mm-hmm. would be Luciano or Veen. And, and again, you know, between those three, you might as well go with the guy who's shown something at the major league level, but I'm just, yeah. I'm just not sold on him as a player enough to, to get excited. Yeah. I think the, the, the one note on his strikeouts is that his last three starts, he has a total of nine strikeouts over 16 innings. The rest of that stretch over since the all-star break, he was over 10 strikeouts per nine, uh, 43 strikeouts in 38 innings. And so I, I think that, and this is why I'm glad I can ha- I, I don't have to make a difficult choice with him, right? My difficult choice is do I stash him in the minors or use up or or just promote him right away? The thing that is, the thing that I'm looking at is uh, the the talent. Like there was a reason people were excited about him before. The talent is very clear, and if you start to look at the progress he's made, plus the fact that he's now sort of like we talked about some of the other rookies before, going above and beyond the number of innings he's ever thrown before as a pro. And you think, okay, maybe these last couple starts, the strike, like maybe he's just running out of steam. Maybe that's why the strikeouts are are drying up as he comes up towards the end of the season. Um, you know, you it, you're starting to like. I'm starting to like get a little too. I'm squinting a little too much, right? I'm looking for these little things, but like he he is a guy who how he pitches next year will define the narrative about this season, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, right? Sure. If he comes out next year. And looks great. You're going to hear a lot of people saying he was better in the second half. And yeah, the last couple starts weren't good, but he obviously ran out of gas. You could see, you could see the second half. The strikeouts were showing up. The performance was showing up. He's been really good. And we should have seen this coming. And if he sucks next year, it's going to be like, yeah, he was bad last year. <laughs> right? So I, I can see where the narrative could form going a positive direction. And I'm like, I said, I'm glad I, I have the option to hold him at, at effectively no cost to myself because I think that's what I'm going to end up doing is I think I'll end up stashing him and, and waiting before I promote him. So let's, uh let's take a look at your team. Cause we're, we've been going for quite a while here. Um, 
you've got you've got some fun names here. We talked about my Tyler Glass now last time in this league. You've got Tyler Glass now. He's a little more expensive for you, but not enough to matter. Um, right. You've got a very very fun Royce Lewis, uh, which which is anytime you get a guy who just you know hits grand slam after grand slam, like yeah, he <laughs> needs got, to keep doing that. Hold him. Yeah. Um, we didn't talk a ton. The guy I want to start with for you, because we didn't talk a ton about him last time. In League One, you've got O'Neill Cruz for what would cost you an eighth round pick. You've got him for what would cost you a 13th round pick in League Two. And I guess my question for you is, you don't have him highlighted on either of those rosters. So my question for you is, what is the pick at which O'Neill Cruz becomes a keeper for you? Yeah, I... I, I was probably going to highlight him on this one, to be honest. I think a 13th round pick is probably going to be more than fair. I just knew going into this exercise, I had a ton of middle infielders on really cheap contracts, so I didn't want to overcommit. For League One, where he's in eighth, I think I need to see some early ADP data um, because I, I want to make sure I'm getting value. I do expect, especially with that being a Roto League and O'Neill Cruz being as fast as he is, that he will be higher than that. But we can't dodge the fact that he hasn't exactly been amazing Maybe that's the wrong term because he has been amazing, but his statistics have not been like crazy good in his taste of the major league. Underlying stuff is exciting, but he's missed a lot of time. Obviously, fluke injury. Sure. I'm not saying he's injury prone or anything like that, but even when he's been on the field, it's not like he's been some first round talent. So I'm just sort of taking my time with it. I want to see the early ADP data. My guess is I end up keeping him in both leagues. The upside is huge, and I do expect early ADP returns to be pretty high. But he's not someone I wanted to overcommit to here in the early going. Yeah, and I think the the injury stuff with him, while it has been fairly fluky, the, the recovery has been the concerning part for me. Like long term, my concern is not that he got hurt or how he got hurt, because like you said, it, it it's not like this is it, it, he hasn't looked injury prone. The fact that the recovery is drawing out and this is becoming sort of a recurring thing for him to miss time starts to feel a little like it just makes me a little nervous. Sure. Um, and, and this isn't this isn't as extreme as Mason Miller where it's like, boy, how do you keep Mason Miller for almost any cost given you can't really count on him at all? But it is a... It is a case where the talent is not the only factor in the decision for me. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely something I'd have to keep in mind. But it's a risk reward thing too, right? A thirteenth rounder in this league, yeah. you know, I can I can maybe hope he starts recovering faster, or just stays in the field longer. I mean, look, he's a six foot eight. What I don't know if he's actually six foot eight shortstop, right? Like. He, He's more likely to get and he plays fast and he plays hard. He throws the ball 100 miles an hour. Like he is someone who is more likely to get hurt than others. So it, it's definitely worth keeping in mind. But um, I still kind of like him at a 13th round value there. Yeah, I think it makes sense. Who else do you want to talk about in this list? Who else is sort of particularly intriguing to you? 
Well, when I talked with Matt Hackman, he was trying to convince me, not that he needed to work very hard because it's, it's freaking Grayson Rodriguez, but at the time I was like, oh man, I'm keeping a lot of pitchers. Glassnow and Green are slam dunks. I think Glassnow is a top five pitcher in baseball. Now, since that episode, I've added Cole Reagans into the mix, who even though his last two starts on the surface looked bad, he was actually nasty in both. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on Cole Reagans. I've got Shane Boz on a last round pick. Gavin Williams is free to keep because he's in my minor league system. So I was like, man, is Grayson Rodriguez going to be worth spending one of my keeper spots on on a 20th round pick. And he has been incredible. Uh, eight shutout innings against the Rays last night. The strikeouts have not followed yet, but he's basically two outs away from eight straight quality starts. He's had five cool. straight, five or six straight now. I think it's five straight now or something like that. I can't remember. But within his last, you know, eight starts or whatever, he's had two starts of five and two thirds with less than uh, four earned runs. So he really could be on quite the streak right now. I mean, he really is. Who cares? It's one out. We can be realistic about it. And he was the top pitching prospect in baseball. So I think he's coming around. It's an excellent home park to pitch in. Um, and he just looks like he's getting better. So for a 20th in a league where like, hey, next year he'll he'll be a 19th. And actually, I'm wrong. He'd be a 19th to keep this year. Next year, he could be an 18th. Like, man, there could be a lot of long-term value here for Grayson. So I think I have come around and plan on keeping him. He He's going to be an interesting guy for trade talks this summer because the overall numbers just don't look that good. Right. And that's, but it's very weighted towards a poor start and him, him really having, as you said, turned things around. So it's, it, it gets, it gets to be an interesting debate. I mean, over that stretch of, you know, eight, as you said, almost quality starts actually would be, it's more than eight, right? Because I'm looking at his last nine starts. Uh, I must, I, I looked at it yesterday. I must have not included last night. Well, he's got a, his two starts ago. He went four and a third, right? So that one was was well short. But he has gone other than that one. So he's gone ten consecutive starts. Oh, one of them wasn't a start. That's why the four and a third wasn't a start. So that's what happened. He has gone ten consecutive appearances without giving up more than two or without giving up more than three earned runs, and nine of those ten were starts, and seven of those nine were more than six innings. So it's a long-winded way of saying he's been really good. <laughs> uh, his ERA is 2.21 over that stretch, 2.92 FIP, 3.77 XFIP. Like, things are looking very good with maybe a little bit of question mark on the home run per fly ball rate, but again, that park's going to help him out. He's, like, he's looking like he is ready to be the guy we thought he would be. But it'll be fascinating to see how people view him on the trade market, given like the Rasball player Raider. He is 496th right now because he just hasn't been that good and hasn't thrown that many innings. He's only got six wins. Like there's lots of things sort of piling up against him. The overall numbers don't look that special. The strikeouts are staying under 10 per nine, which means that like you're going to look at his like stats and immediately be like, oh, the strikeouts are great, blah, blah, blah. Like, everything just sort of looks eh. And I will probably, I don't know that I have Grayson Rodriguez at any rosters, but I'll probably poke around at what it would cost to acquire him via trade. Because I think there's going to be some situations where people are like, yeah, I know he performed like a 20th round pick, but I value him at a 15th, and I might be happy to, to trade for him 
at the cost of like a 12th round pick if it means I can keep him at the cost of an 18th or something like you're getting to. Yeah, I mean, like he's you have to look at him a lot more nuanced than the surface numbers. Like, I want to make sure our listeners know if you send me an offer for Grayson Rodriguez and you cite the Rasball player raider, especially in a keeper league, (laughs) like I'm just going to laugh you off the email. So since like imagine this scenario, I tell you exactly one year ago that after the all star break in 2023, Grayson Rodriguez, who's going to cost me a 19th round pick to keep. We'll have a 2.59 ERA through 11 games started with a 1.06 whip. All of us, everyone in the fantasy community would be like, that is one of the most slam dunk keepers in existence. He didn't have a great first half. It is what it is. I think he's hitting his stride. If this was even like, if this was just a top 50 prospect, if this was just a top 100 prospect, maybe I wouldn't keep him. But this is, this was the number one pitching prospect in baseball. I mean, th- this guy is supposed to be doing this. Now he's doing it. So um, if we if we start to see the strikeouts to follow, especially, then, I mean, yeah, the sky's the I, limit for this player. Yeah. And to be clear, when I say that I'm like, I might be interested in training for him, like, I am not, uh, I'm not going to proactively reach out to anyone and be like, have you thought about trading Grayson Rodriguez? Because to your point, like, Saying like, have you looked at his ERA? Have you looked at his Rasball player? Like, it's not. It's a disingenuous way to have a trade talk for sure. I expect he will show up on some trade blocks, and I think there will be opportunities for someone to reach out to me and say, "Hey, I'm interested in trading for this guy," and me to be able to say, "Like, here are five guys in your team I like," and include Grayson Rodriguez on that list. And, and so, what, I, what I'm hunting for is not somebody who I can say, "Like, look how bad Grayson Rodriguez was. Don't you want to trade him to me?" But <laughs> But I am hunting for the for the manager who looks at Grayson Rodriguez, has sat in them all season, has been consistently frustrated by them, not by by him not sort of breaking out the way they wanted, and saw what happened in the second half and is like, I kind of want to cash in and and move on now. Cause I think there will be some managers who who think that way. Yeah, for sure. I mean, hey, I might I might actually dangle him. I have so many pitcher keepers that if I can get yeah. a, a decent hitter keeper in return, that might be something I have to do, whether I want to or not. And, and that's the kind of thing where like in this league, I could be very happy to say like, you know, let's again, look at this. You've got Grayson Rodriguez is a 20th round cost, 19th round cost. You said, right. You have a 19th round cost in Grayson Rodriguez. His ADP is in, let's say the, you know, like I said, 15th, 14th round, maybe something like that. Maybe it's a little higher. To be able to say, like, look, you've got a 19th round cost on him. He's, a, let's call it a 13th round pick. I get that it's a keeper league, and I will give you effectively 10th round value for him. Might be a deal I'm willing to make. And that's that's a deal that might work for you, and you're not low on him. <laughs> so right. if I find someone who is sort of concerned a little bit lower on him. I don't think I'm going to find anyone who's like, he's a bad keeper in a 19th round. Like nobody's going to think that, but I do think I'll find people who are like, he's a good keeper at 19th, but I don't really think he's a 14th round pick. And then maybe I can find a trade that's really interesting. So it's just a matter of like, you know, there are certain guys that I have on my sort of like watch for someone else to dangle them. And you've got actually on this team, like Royce Lewis will also fall in that camp for me. I really strongly believe in Royce Lewis. I think he's going to be a star. He's looked great. I think there will be a handful of people who are like, this guy cannot stay healthy. He's still got a small sample size. I still have big questions about him. And this may be sort of the last opportunity to buy in on him. 
He's actually a great and example so, because if he was, if I didn't have him and he cost an 18th and Grayson cost a 19th, I would, given my current keeper situation, I would gr- gladly flip Grayson Rodriguez for Royce Lewis. Hmm. Now, fortunately, I have both. Interesting. But given my other, I mean, I'm keeping what six pitchers and five of them are starters or, and that doesn't include Gavin Williams, who's free to keep. Like I, I don't need to draft a single pitcher in the draft. So I'd gladly flip yeah. one of them for hitter. Yeah. You've got your pitchers though are all like there's, you've got glass now and, and honestly, Grayson Rodriguez, I think is, is fairly safe too. And then you've got Hunter green. Who's been very up and down. You've got Cole Reagans who. It is, looks legit, but it is a very short track record. Oh, he looks You've got Shane Boz, who's what? He looks incredible, though. I mean, it's just. Yeah, yeah. I, so to, to be clear, I am not questioning. You got you got Shane Boz in the last round pick highlighted here, too. I'm not questioning any of those choices. I think they're all good choices. I think they're all guys I would keep. I think the drafting you'll have to do in this league is for floor at pitching. The, the drafting at pitching specifically, right? It's not hitting is a whole different story, but. The ceiling on a rotation of Glasnow, Green, Rodriguez, Reagans, Boz, like and Williams, and, and Gavin Williams. Like, if you told me that those six guys were all top twenty starting pitchers next year, like there's not one of those guys who's like, no, he can't be a top. Like all of them could be. If you told me that half of them are hurt and half of them underperform, and Glasnow is the only one who's actually any good. That also is within the realm of possibility. For sure. And so I think you may need some like safe innings, but yeah, it's a, it's a fun group for sure. And if they are all top 20 starting pitchers next year, they become very good bets to be top 20 starting pitchers in 2025 and 2026 and 20, like not one of them. How, I mean, none of them are old at all. It's a very young the oldest? keeper set. He, oh, definitely. He's 30. Yeah. So he's definitely the oldest. of this. Well, that sounds 30. If you can believe that. I don't. <laughs> I mean, his, his arm is like 25 because of the amount of innings he's thrown in his career, but he is 30 years yeah. old. Holy crap. He's 30. He turned 30 less than a month ago. Happy birthday, Tyler. Wow. Anyways. Yeah. It's a super exciting group of, of pitchers. I will say to sort of cap it. It's very unlikely to be Mikey Percet. If I can get a hold of people in the offseason, so everybody, listeners, listen up. I would I need to move some of these pieces, and I don't plan on trading Glass now or Gavin Williams. But if I can trade any of those other pitchers to bring in a hitter like Royce Lewis or even a little bit more solid on a decent keeper contract, I think that's a move that my team has to make. So I will be yeah. uh listening to offers. Yeah, and your your minor league situation, by the way, as we sort of wrap this up, we talked about how poorly I'd done in this draft. Your minor league situation is way more interesting than mine. It's like Pete Crow Armstrong is up. At the very least, the way he's playing defense, he looks like he is a lock to oh be in that God. Cubs lineup he's for fun. the foreseeable future. So you can promote him out, like, you know, you can promote him pre draft and have him in your lineup. Kyle Manzardo is a tougher choice because I don't know what his timeline is going to be, but he should be up and being an impact player at some point next year. Gavin Williams, you 100% will promote after keepers and, and have him locked into your rotation, which is great. And then you you are stashing Tamar Johnson and Robert Hassel, which Hackman is... Hackman told me to cut both, and I think, I'm, I think I'm with him on that one for sure. Really? Yeah. So 
his reasoning was not that he so much that he's not a believer in Tamar Johnson, although he's he's lower than than others. But I kind of agree with his philosophy in this. Like he's so far away that I want those prospects who are either going to help me right away or I can just flip because of all the hype like a Roman Anthony right now, even if he's not going to be one day as good as Tamar Johnson, he has a lot more hype, right? And he's a guy I could maybe flip and get something quicker to compete. I, I don't want to as much play the the long game, and Tamar Johnson is a definite long play. So I could see, I could see cutting Hassel. Like I, so, oh, he's yeah. Again, in this league, we have up to five spots, and we have three draft picks. So, assuming you promote PCA and Williams, and then you decide, like, then you have an interesting choice. If you're going to promote Manzardo. There's no reason for you not to keep both Hassel and Johnson. There's no cost. You stash them in the minors. You still get all three of your picks. If you decide you're going to stash Manzardo, which is probably the right call for Manzardo, mm-hmm. um, because I just don't know that he's going to be up opening day. And I think even if he is, it's better to have him stashed and see how he performs before you have to commit a roster spot to him. Then you cut Hassel and you hold Tamar Johnson with Manzardo because, again, there's no cost to it. And while I understand what you're saying about like Roman Anthony right now, I think Johnson is going to have more hype by middle of next year than Anthony does. But here's a logistical question. Okay. Or, I get, not a logistical, a more technical question. If I have Gavin Williams, PCA, and Kyle Manzardo stashed as prospects and I promote them after the draft, wouldn't that open up? You can't up- promote them after the – you have Go to promote them before the draft. Okay, now I understand. Got it. So let's say you've given up your 28th, 27th, and 26th round picks. You've made your nine keepers. You've given up those picks plus a bunch of others. Yeah. And then you, after that, you what you're effectively doing is you're then promoting those guys. Let's say you promote PCA, you promote Williams. They cost your next two lowest picks, not in terms of their future value. It doesn't set their price. Their price is set by being promoted, which is they will be a last round pick for you to keep next the, the following season. They use up your last two picks just because they take up roster spots. And so you right. therefore don't have roster spots to make those picks. Got it. Got it. But you have to promote them then in order to draft minor leaguers to replace them. Mm-hmm. That makes right? sense. Right. Yep. So you're going to promote Williams for sure because it'd be crazy not to, right? He's going to be in the opening day rotation. Oh yeah. He's up. He should be on your roster. Um, I think PCA is going to end up in that camp as well. That's my agree. guess is that you're going to want to promote him, which leaves you with the other three, which is why you could stash two of those three and cut hassle. Cause hassle would be the cut of those three. I think. Yeah, for sure. Without, um, doubt. yeah. So if you're going to, if you cut hassle, then stashing Manzardo and Johnson is literally no cost to you. Right. That's the move. Right. If you cut, if you cut Tamar Johnson at that point, you get nothing back. You can't replace him. If in April or May, you trade for a minor leaguer and suddenly need that spot, you can cut Johnson that. Right? Like if you prefer Roman Anthony and you can pick up Roman Anthony in May, then you cut, right? Then you cut him then. It's fine. So the reality is in in this structure, nobody has any reason to go into the draft with less than two minor leaguers. No, that makes sense. That's not to say you can't. Right. If you only have one minor leaguer and you're going to promote them anyway or whatever, like, fine. You have no, like, that doesn't matter. But if you've got, like, even Hassel, let's say, let's say Manzardo actually gets called up next week 
and it becomes obvious that he is just a stud and going to be in the opening day lineup next year and you decide, forget it, I'm promoting him before the draft anyways, you might as well keep Hassel. Right. Because again, there's no cost to keeping him. And like, does it seem likely you're going to keep him much longer? No. But if he comes out and just sets the world on fire next April, well, fine. You got it. Great. So, um, yeah, there is no reason to cut a prospect if you already have three spots open. No, that makes total sense. Yeah. All right. We've been going for 90 minutes here. That's a lot of minutes. Anyone we didn't talk about that you think we should talk about quickly before we, we cut this off? I guess I'd just end it with like Volpe is going to be one of the hardest decisions I think in a lot of keeper leagues, but yeah, given the last round value and I know if I don't keep him, he's going to turn into like the next Derek Jeter and I'm going to hear about him for the next 20 years. So at least this way, I'm either preventing that from happening or if it does happen, I will have him on my roster. So one way or another, I'm keeping him. That does not mean you have to keep Anthony Volpe. Yeah, he, he has not been good. And, you know, he, he, there was, there was a a stretch in August where it looked like, oh my God, this guy has figured it out. Um, yeah. And now he looks terrible again. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, he's looked really bad in the month of September. Um, still 20 homers, another four stolen bases. The walk rates almost double digits. Like they're signs, but you're right. He's been, he's been awful. Yeah. And I do think he is a, he is, we've talked earlier about guys who are better. Um, you know, Yoshida was the guy we talked about being a better like Red Sox hitter than he is a fantasy hitter. Volpe's kind of the opposite where he's been super not good at all for the Yankees uh, to the point that I think at times it's, it seemed frustrating that they haven't sent him down to sort of work things out. But from a fantasy perspective, he's going to put up a 2020 season. Yeah. Um, and that has that in and of itself has some value from a shortstop. So, you know, you can see where some progression things could get better. Uh, but it's been, I mean, let's put it this way. Despite the 2020 season, he is lower on the Rasball player rater than Ezekiel Tovar, who we talked about before. Now he's a lot less expensive for you to keep. And so that, that, you know, from a keeper perspective, he is a, I think, an easier keeper than Tovar, but he's been bad. Yeah, uh, so it's a tough call. It didn't, you know, you would have thought when you had him for a last round pick six months ago that he would be an easy keeper choice. So it'll be interesting to see where he ends up for a lot of people because he he will be a tough call. You're right for a lot. He of does make O'Neill Cruz more of a no doubt keeper, though, right? I don't want to plan around. Anthony Volpe taking up a middle infield spot. I want that to be a luxury. So it does make keeping O'Neill Cruz a little bit easier. This is interesting. I was looking at this and thinking like with Roy, although Royce Lewis is going to end up his third base next year. He's not going to have middle infield. So never Uh, mind. I was going to, I was starting to say like with Lewis and Cruz and Volpe, do you really want to keep all three of them or does it become a choice of which two, but if, but Lewis will end up at third base. So yeah, yeah, doesn't really matter. All right. Well, thank you all for for bearing with us through all this. This is not the last time we'll have conversations about these keepers. At some point in this offseason, um, we'll probably have to have a conversation where we've ranked our keepers and started to think about who who is expendable via trade. Uh, but for now, appreciate you listening through to this. If you've got any questions about your keepers, about what to do over the last couple of weeks of the season, about, you know, should I drop this guy or is he too valuable as a keeper to, to bail on him, even though it might help for my championship? Those are those are always tough choices. I gave up. I, I dropped a twenty four dollar Zach Wheeler 
in my CBS league because I decided I wasn't going to keep him and I was desperate for innings the back half of this week. And, and he's got Atlanta. He wasn't going to get any. So. so, and he's got Atlanta next. That was the thing. It was like, you know what? I'm just, I'm done. I'm going to cash out while I can. And, and yeah. Uh, but you got questions like that. Hit us up on Twitter at keeper cut at Chad young for me at Pete B baseball for Pete. And we will be back with you next week. 